This is the Six Figure Exit. We are two entrepreneurs sharing how we've shaped our lives and our businesses. Our purpose is to help you grow your business and personal excellence. Welcome back to the Six Figure Exit, folks. I'm your co-host, Carson. I'm here with my good, good friend, Gavin, today. And we are here to talk to you guys about overcommitting and being a little bit better with your time and not doing so many different things. You guys, I wanted to share real quick, the reason we started this podcast was we were both kind of stuck with this initial mindset of getting to six figures was everything you needed in life to be happy. And we quickly learned that that's not the case uh, and there's more to it than that in your personal life and in your business. And you should be setting goals that are much higher than just getting to that six figure mark. So that's why we called it the six figure exit Going from six figures to seven figures. Um, and beyond. And beyond. So Not that, I mean, not that monetary things are everything, but I think that there's a lot of freedom and a lot of uh, opportunity when you start opening up your mindset and branching out into, you know, that seven, eight figure, nine figure mindset of trying to move your life towards that goal. So Well, and the reality of that is you have to develop yourself and your mind, like you said, and everything about you to be a better person to go from six figures to seven figures. There's a lot more personal development that happens, I feel like, going from six to seven than going from five to six. I had to think what comes before <laughs> six and eight. I never thought about it at five. But, um, well, I'm sure you were at one point. <laughs> that's, yeah. Yes, I was for sure. Still am. Yeah. No. That's all right. <laughs> um, We're working on it. How was your week going, Gavin? It's been pretty good. A lot of, a lot of, still a lot of family time, which is great. It's really a blessing. He's that, still on the holiday schedule here. Yeah, I'm checked out. We're January 6th. We're recording this. So, <laughs> uh, no, it's been the timing of you know the birth of our son has been amazing because I've been able to spend a lot of intentional time with my wife and my son and really be around, and that's something that I feel like I'm going to be proud of, you know, moving forward. And as he grows older and I can look back, like, I'm, I'm glad that I was home for this. And it's important that, I mean, you're not going to get that opportunity back again, especially your first child. So, um, blessed, grateful that I'm in a position to be able to be home often and, uh, work from home still some, but, um, it's been nice and still taking care of some business and whatnot here and there, but if you guys have more kids, you think you're going to love the first child most? No, I think it. Uh, I think we'll love our children all equally, but I think we'll love them all for their unique abilities and characteristics that they have. I don't know. I think my older brother got more love. I think mine did too. But <laughs> <laughs> if you're listening, you probably know what we're talking about. Middle children. Are you a middle child? Youngest. Young. Oh, spoiled, okay. Well, that, I was going to say, that's, that's not any better than the first. So I'm a middle child. I had it hard. Yeah. Shout out to all you middle children out there. How's your week going? It's going good. We are uh Saturday. It's going well. It's going Robert well. Grammar. Okay. Stillwater English class. Barely made it. Um, it's going well. We had a, I had a super busy week, honestly. Usually January is not that busy for us, but I had a ton of meetings this week and it was good. I literally started the week. Um, or ended last week with looking at my schedule for this week. And I'm like, I've got to get some stuff on the calendar. And I just looked for this month and I was like, I really don't have much scheduled for this month for like meetings and like potential to, you know, drum up some business and whatever. Um, and as soon as I thought that and kind of like made it like, just like decided in my head, like, okay, I got to get stuff scheduled. Like I need to do this. 
I filled up this week like instantly with like meeting with clients and I just reached out to a few people just to try to like, Hey, you know, I remember you talked about doing yeah. something months ago and I just, I was busy and forgot. <laughs> so let's reconnect on let's, that. Yeah. Let's reconnect. So, uh, but it's been good, but it's crazy. Like once you put your mind to it, like yeah. boom. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. Manifesting. Manif <laughs> I, something like that. Yeah. yeah. Or just doing the work. Yeah. So. <laughs> Um, so it's been good. It's been busy, but I like being busy. Um, but I think that's also part of why we wanted to talk to about overcommitting. Cause yesterday I ran like five meetings, one of which was a haircut, which I was like 20 minutes late for. So I guess four we were meetings supposed to do a then. podcast yesterday too. Yep. I think we pushed this a couple times this week now yeah. because of my overcommitments. <laughs> so I think that's why I wanted to talk a little bit about it today though. Yeah. Yeah. We want to talk about how, uh, the dangers of overcommitting yourself can lead to detrimental, detrimental things in your business, your life, your relationships, um, and personally just like goals you set for yourself. And if you overcommit in your goals, then you might end up, uh, you know, kind of burning out or losing sight of the, the final goal or destination. Yeah, I would say for sure. And that's what the biggest thing for me on that is I, with being like kind of that sales driven type of person, I'm always trying to either meet new people or make new connections where, um, it drums up business. So what I do is I'll, and then once I get in this flow of like meeting with people in a day, like I just feel like really good about it. Like the more meetings I have, like I'm just kind of like in the mo moment, like in the grind and you're just kind of like, boom, and you can just really connect with people. I feel flow like, state. yeah, you're in that flow state. So I'm like, and especially Fridays, like yesterday was Friday and everyone's happy on Friday. It's been like cloudy for the last week. I think I was telling you that yesterday, yeah. but it's like, what the heck? Where's the sun? But what, if you get a sunny Friday, that's the day to sell people because everyone's like, it's Friday, the weekend's coming, I'm going to get drunk and they're thinking about it's cold right now and I really wish I had a pool and a backyard that I could do this in when it's summer. And so if you're in our industry, like, dude, Friday is the day to sell people. So I just book up my Fridays. But it also kind of, I mean, it hurts you because it's, I, the by the time the end of the day comes, like you're so tired and then like the first meeting you had, you better take really good notes because you forget pretty much everything from the first couple of meetings by the time you get to the end of the day. So that's the big downside, I would say. How many, have you found yourself late to meetings often? Like with clients? I'm getting better at it, but yes. Like yesterday, um, my 12 o'clock, 12.30 meeting ran longer than I anticipated. It was an hour and a half. And I had a two o'clock meeting. Oh, what was I got my hair cut at two o'clock. So I was like 20 minutes late to that. And I felt like really bad about that. I just totally lost track of time. And I looked down and I was like one uh, forty-five, and I was about 30 minutes away. And I was like, shit. I thought your hair looked a little cleaner. Yeah. It looks nice. I also shaved too. Well, then oh, shaved, but trimmed her up. But too bad you guys can't see what I'm looking at. Yeah. It's you're missing quite, out. Quite the sight to see. Well, if you go follow us on Instagram, you can check us out all yeah. the time. So just go, go hit us up there. But... Yeah, I do find myself, and the problem is like, as you can probably tell, like I'm pretty talkative with people and just like chatting with them and like finding out more about them or BSing. And so I just kind of get lost in like talking with them and building a connection and relationship. And I've got a weird like misconception of how long it takes me to get like driving from point A to point B for whatever reason. Like, like oh, I'm in St. Paul. Like I'll get back to Stillwater in like 15 minutes. And it's a 30 minute drive, no matter how you cut it. I don't know why. Like, I just, for whatever reason, I think <laughs> I can get places faster than I can get. See you flying down the highway at 90. Yeah, 90 <laughs> miles an hour. Never uh, gotten a ticket in my entire life, though. So proud of that. Yeah. Been pulled over eight times, but never gotten a ticket. Wow. Yeah. Eight times? Eight times. It's never had a ticket. Never had a ticket, dude. I don't know how. Like, I, that is bizarre. Yeah. Isn't that? Wow. Not, not even like a written warning or like no nothing. And you know what it is, actually? 
when you're in a company it's truck. It's a smile. It's a smile <laughs> and my charm. And it's a company truck with like your name on it. Like they just, and you're the owner of it. Like they're just like, oh, like this guy's like, it's not, he's not up to anything like bad. He's just, you know, whatever. He's just overcommitted. He's overcommitted. It's, they, they just know that this idiot scheduled too many meetings they, today. They feel bad for you, Carson. That's what it, really at the end of the day. Yeah. So, but is I mean, that kind of the, do you feel like when you're, when we talk about overcommitment, do you feel like when you commit your time to other people, then that is where you fall short the most? Or is there other areas that you, you feel I guess, like, how do you mean? Like, are there, are there areas in your life that you feel like you overcommit, whether it's like to yourself or, you know, relationships that are, you know, personal with your family or girlfriend, boyfriend, <laughs> whatever you got. We're not on the boyfriend. Um, so. But no, like, is it just, do you feel like it's just meeting with clients or meeting with people, business relationships that you feel like you fall short when you commit certain time? Or do you feel like there's other areas in your life that you overcommit in? Um, well, I would say like business is probably like the biggest piece that like makes up who I am, I would say. Like I very much so identify with like being a business person and because I just really enjoy this. Like it's, I don't have a lot of hobbies because I just enjoy doing this and like getting ahead. For the love of the game. For the love of the game. But I would say that greatly affects like other relationships I've had or have like with friendships and things like that. A lot of my friendships kind of evolve around business to an extent, um, which I don't know if that's good or bad, but, and I shouldn't even say business. Like, I mean, personal development and like just trying to grow, like I don't, I don't do well just like killing time with people. Like, I don't know. I just, once in a while I will, but it's just not my thing. So yeah. I just very like committed to business and whatnot. And I guess to elaborate on that further, like, obviously that affected like my past relationship with my girlfriend, ex-girlfriend now, um, because of my overcommitments to business versus that, you know, personal relationship right. with her. So I think a lot of people, you got to understand like, where are you at in life? Like we talked about this a little bit on the other podcast with you and like having a family and everything else. Like you got to be a little bit more like, different commitments. Yeah. Different yeah. commitments. And there's no right or wrong to it. I mean, there can be a wrong to it, but, um, you just got to prioritize what's, you know, most important to you. So right now, like I just don't have a lot else besides business that I can, I can just focus on that. So yeah. You I'm focus on yourself in, and myself. Yeah. I've been going to the gym a lot. Um, did I actually just got there this morning. I did. Yeah. Oh, nice, I did legs nice. again. I was on the way there and I was like, what am I even doing today? Like I kind of <laughs> got this routine of like, you know, splitting stuff up. Cause I go pretty much every day and I was like, what am I supposed to be doing? And then I was like, well, what's not sore. And I'm like, yeah, my legs. Like I'll do those. So that's funny. Um, but I did just get complimented the other day about a client that I, we've worked with for the last three years. I show up and I got like, you know, hoodie on, it's cold here in Minnesota and you know, snow on the ground. And finally, yeah, um, half inch. <laughs> <laughs> it's snow, so it's not much, but he goes, Oh, did you put on some weight? And I'm like, yeah, I've been working out. You know? <laughs> it's like sweet Popeye over here. Yeah. Uh, but, um, so yeah, those are kind of the two things that I'm really the only things that I'm committed on. How do you feel like you can improve with like your meetings with clients or meetings with other business relationships? How can you not overcommit? What are some strategies you can implement? I would say just like sticking to a calendar and like time slotting when I'm going to meet with certain people or like certain things. Like if I'm meeting with landscape sales clients, it's going to be and anyway, I did this a little bit more last year. Now this time of year when we're not as busy, I've kind of thrown it to the wind a little bit, which I probably shouldn't. Um, and I'll say like, you know, Tuesdays and Thursdays and Fridays, there's a nine o'clock slot, there's a 12 o'clock slot, and then a four o'clock slot or whatever. And those are the only times that I'll book like a landscape client meeting or something like that. Everything in between is like to either work or like 
um, catch up on like what I just did for that person and like get them an estimate or, you know, do whatever and follow up with people or whatever in between that. And then like Mondays and Thursdays or whatever it is, like I'll work on other stuff. So I think a big thing that would be helpful and I need to get back to doing now, um, which just, like I said, kind of falls apart this time of year, but actually like dedicating certain time slots to certain things or like leaving those open for certain things and then not, well, like nobody's scheduled that time slot yet for landscaping. So I'll put a meeting, you know, to do like a real estate thing in there or something like don't just commit to what you're going to do in like those time slots you have available. And sometimes you just got to push people into the next week, which I'm a people pleaser type of person. So I'm always like, yeah, like I'll, I'll, I'll get you in there. I'll squeeze like, you. I, yeah. I've got 20 minutes. Like I'll stop by quick. Yeah. You know? So in there, yeah, which is not not a good habit to get in because, you know, it might make that person happy, but then the next person you're meeting with, you're late, and it's a bad impression on them, and, you know, maybe that was a more important meeting than the one you just had, and so don't bend over backwards. I got I got to quit doing that. Quit the, like, people-pleasing thing, so. Yeah, I mean, if you, I mean, you can't be everything to everyone, and, like, you try and please this one person, but then you end up being late for this other person, and then nobody likes being uh, stood up or... I mean, then you're wasting other people's time and that's frustrating, especially if it's 30 minutes or more. And I mean, I, I guess I value my time enough where I, that would annoy me, especially if it was somebody that I'm hiring, like if they can't be punctual and be on time. Then I'm like, I don't know if I have a lot of faith. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, and that's what, and I think like a trap to that point of like hiring people that I've found myself thinking is like, you know, if they can't be on time you know, you don't have a lot of faith in them. Right. But then I think like, well, sometimes I'm late to stuff too. It's like, and then I go, I find myself thinking like, well, I'm way busier than they are. And you know, mm -hmm. that's like, I've got more going on. So like, it's okay for me to like, don't, you can't get trapped like thinking like either you're better or busier or whatever than somebody else where it's okay for you to be late and not for them. So especially with your team, like yeah. that is going to lead to total disaster if you're not leading by example. For sure. So, yeah. Do you have a hard time? Like, cutting people off in meetings when you're like, cause you get like some real chatty clients and you're just sitting and talking and you know, you kind of got to go, but I mean, do you have, you ever struggle with that? Um, I would say, yeah, maybe some, but I feel like I'm good about like subtle hints of starting to walk away or walk towards the front of the yard or the old Minnesota. Well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, I guess it's that time. Uh, no, but I think it's, I think it's good to be, now that you ask, I think it's good to be more like upfront, like, Hey, or even going into that consult or into that meeting, like, Hey, I got another meeting at one o'clock. I know it's noon right now. I think we have plenty of time to meet and discuss what you need or what we want to do here. Um, but I need to take off at 1245 so I can make it on time to my next meeting. And I think that that client that you're meeting with is going to value and appreciate your honesty, your upfrontness and um, your dedication to, you know, making everybody happy at the end of the day. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I think it's just going to make you happier as well. Cause that's one of the biggest things. And I find, and I like texted you this a couple of weeks ago, where I was like, help me get better with my time management. Cause we, I think we left your office or something and we we're just, I was kind of rambling about whatever, like I do. And I was headed to meet one Wisconsin of the guys. At the yeah, right? I'm headed to yeah. one of the guys, and I'm driving out there, and I'm doing 90 <laughs> down the road, and I'm like mad at myself for being late again, and it like frustrates like myself with myself. I'm like disappointed in myself for doing that over and over again, but it's something like I have 100% caused and put on myself, and then I get like late to the next thing, and you get like anxiety, and you're upset about it, and it's like, well, I did this to myself. That's a snowball. So why effect. do I keep doing this to myself? And that's yeah, I'm just. 
not good at that. Yeah, I don't know it's why. A, a snowball of like, you're upset on the way there, and then you feel bad. So then the meeting doesn't go as well. Yeah. You know what I mean? It just kind of snowballs. And exactly. If you're on time or even early, I try to be, I try to be somewhat early to meetings if I can be. It's just kind of a nice way to show that you're early and you like people their see time, value in yeah, that. Yeah, their time yeah. matters. Right. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think being early, a few minutes early is super important or um, depending on depending on the situation too, like a lot of what I've done is just have like, with texting nowadays, you just kind of like back and forth, like, hey, you know, GPS says this yeah, or whatever, right. and just keep them informed. And communication is going to help if you are running late or whatever. I mean, yeah. just don't like leave people in the dark or explain kind of what's going on as your day is going. Um, I think people appreciate that a lot. So. Yeah. And if, even if you do overcommit, it's okay to text somebody and say, or call them and be like, hey, I, this is running longer than I thought. It's going to be 20 or 30 minutes past when I thought we could meet. So does this still work? And yeah. they more more times than not they'll be like okay, um, and understand opposed to like you don't communicate with them. You show up twenty thirty minutes late, and they're like, "What the heck happened?" Yeah, why, why that's a really bad first impression. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Communication is key in everything. I think. What about just uh, not even like meetings? Do you ever like overcommit on jobs or things like that? Or um. I don't think we've ever really, really like overcommit when it comes to like a project. I think we usually have a clear expectations up front of what we're doing, what they can ex- expect out of us. And um, I don't think I've really overcommitted in a project. I feel like I've, if anything, maybe I've overcommitted. Uh, just I would say a lot of it's my time, like. What about like even like scheduling or too many projects at once or? No, I'm usually pretty good about that. I guess one thing I wish I was better about is like keeping clients informed about where they're at in regards yeah. to like where they're at on our schedule. Hey, you're eight weeks out. You're five weeks out. You're three weeks out. Because it changes so much. It like does. With our yeah. With it's hard. The to weather like, and yeah. people coming and going and um, material shortages or not showing up or whatnot. So I think... I wish I would have done a better job of communicating just the schedule of where things are laying out in the schedule. I mean, it's easy to easy for me to know because it's in my head or, you know what I mean, or yeah. on the calendar or whatever, but I think it would be beneficial to communicate where we're at with the clients so that they have a clear expectation of when you're coming. And uh, I feel like a lot of times it was, I'd do it like, I mean, depending on the project, but some like if it was a smaller project, maybe a week out or something like, hey, Here's a heads up, but I also would give them, you know, up, upon them signing up with us, I'd give them kind of a rough idea. Hey, this is kind of a time frame of when we're thinking we could be there, and then you know follow up with them. And if they asked to, I'd be happy to tell them. But I feel like I, if I was more diligent with kind of a clear structure of, I reach out at these points on you know eight weeks, five weeks, three weeks out. Yep, just keeping them informed. And yeah. one of the, one of the things I've seen and kind of why I asked that is I've seen a lot of companies, it's not something we do, but I see a lot of companies use it as like a sales tool when this time of year they're like, oh yeah, we got openings in May and these guys are booked through July. And then they just kind of bullshit the client and keep like pushing them out. And we see this a lot with like the pool side of things where, I mean, I can't tell you how many calls we've gotten in July where they're like, hey, like we actually signed up with another pool company, but 
they said it was going to be done before the 4th and it's the 20th and we like haven't got a straight answer from them it's looking like september and that's just annoying yeah like bad to an extent like so that's something we've been really diligent about is not like over committing right. and i don't know if it's like something just went catastrophically wrong with like their operation or manufacturing of something and it did that but we we hear that a lot where people are saying yeah we were supposed to be done before the fourth which is like a huge day that people want to have their projects done right um and then it gets pushed into you know august or september or something like that so we've seen that a lot uh that's something we try to be pretty cautious of and there's things that happen like we've had issues mainly during covid where materials weren't available um and stuff did get pushed on projects and it's I mean, it's a crappy deal but it's kind of like you're at the mercy of the manufacturer at that point so i get that in some instances but i do feel like some companies use that as a sales tool just to make the sale and to be honest like if you need to use that as a sales tool you're not you, shopping on the right company you need to you need to you need to be a better salesperson yeah and you, you suck at sales yeah. if that's your if that's your sales the tool. urgency yeah skill so or a sales skill of like trying to sell somebody on yeah, I would get you in first thing. You'll be their first customer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So don't don't BS people like that. So, no. but and the things happen, and just set that expectation of people like, hey, you know, generally you're going to be around this time frame, like you said. Um, we do the same thing. It's just you know, we're going to touch base with you kind of a month out, and then a couple weeks out or a week out, we'll kind of keep you informed, and it can just be as simple as I'll take like usually it's a lot of times you know it's a husband and wife combo or something like that that you're dealing with. So I'll just put them in a group text and you know label the group text and just leave it there in my phone and I'll scroll back to it once we get closer. I'm like, hey, just a quick update. We're just wrapping up, you know, this project. Hopefully Thursday um, next week, and you know we're gonna try to get equipment to your site Friday and you know really hit the ground. Might be do a couple things, but really hit the ground running on the following Monday and just keep them informed that way. So yeah. I think that goes a long ways. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, communication is key when it comes to just clear expectations from clients and uh, making sure that even if you do kind of um, say something or your clients expect something and you can't follow through on it and you communicate it, you're probably in a better seat than if you just commit to something and can't do it. Because <laughs> then at that point you overcommitted yourself. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And even to like a overcommitting to a skill level of something when you tell yeah. a client like, yeah, we we oh, can yeah, we do this that. and yeah. And you don't have a clue what's going on. And there's a little bit of like, especially for you young guys, if you want to like get into the industry of kind of a little bit of, I don't want to say bullshitting, but it's, you know, kind of like, yeah, we can do that. I mean, actually I shouldn't say there is people that do that. I've, and I've done that before. Like, to be honest, we're like, yeah, we can do that. And you kind of like, you know, it's within like, you've never done it, but you can figure it out type of deal. Yeah. But what I found, like, I've done that early on, but what I found is it's a lot better to just be straight up with clients. Like, Hey, you know, I've actually never done, um, that and I'm willing to learn. I've found a lot of good resources. You know, here's another company that has done it that I'm you know, friends with the owner or whatever the situation is. Right. Like, and he's going to teach me how to do it. And I think that communication is going to build more trust with the client than bullshitting them because they're going to get a vibe like, yeah, this guy doesn't really know what he's doing yeah. in this like or he, he's not speaking with confidence on it right um whereas if you just tell him like hey no i actually have never done that but i would love to learn how and i've got you know these resources that are going to help me learn how to do it and you know i'll make sure we take care of you on your project or maybe we'll offer another additional two-year warranty on it or something if anything happens um we did that with a putting green on it with a guy two years ago and to be honest it didn't really go that well and we ended up just like telling him like after we did it like he was kind of a friend of ours or whatever and i was like hey like we've never done this like kind of want to learn how to do it um you know we'll do it at cost for you guys basically just so we can get the opportunity to yeah. learn how to do it 
and it honestly didn't really go super well. And uh, we ended up taking it back out and then another <laughs> company came in and did it. But I yeah. like told them straight up, like, this is going to be a learning thing for right. us. And if you're not happy, like, and we gave him his money back and we just covered the cost of it. And it was like, a, chalked it up to a learning experience right. and the other company came in and did it. Um, and we learned a lot from like seeing how they did it and everything else. So it was a learning curve for us, but there's not really like a school for this stuff. You just kind of either got to learn by working for somebody else and doing it or just figure it out on your own. So, yeah. and it, it was a cl- like, that was a close enough return client where kind of like friends with them where he's like, yeah, like whatever, like it's not Give a big a deal. Shot. So I wouldn't recommend that maybe on your first, you know, time working with that client, but yeah. Yeah. So. Especially like if you commit to something and say you can do it and then you get into it and then you find out you can't. And then the client finds out yeah. you can't. And then you're like, boy, if that, like, deep. <laughs> if I would have lied to him and been like, oh yeah, like we've done these, do all, these the all the time. time. And then it like gets put in and then like he wasn't happy with it. He'd be like, well, shit, I'm never hiring these guys again. And that's the guy I just met with yesterday oh, really? who wants to do another $50,000 worth of landscape. I don't know when this dude's ever going to stop, but he just keeps spending money in his backyard. Um, but even, you know, a, a situation where the project didn't turn out great, like we just, we were integral about it and didn't lie about it. And we were, you know, made it right for him at the end of the day, or we really just didn't charge him anything. Um, and now he's spending more money with us this year. Yeah. So it, it worked out. But didn't overcommit. Love yeah. it. And we just, yeah, didn't lie about it. So, yeah. I mean, I don't know if that's like overcommitting or not, but I mean, we were just trying, you know, we were learning. So I wouldn't say that what you did was overcommitting. I'd say that you... It limited, could have been an overcommitting yeah, you could have overcommitted yourself, but yeah. you didn't because of your how honesty you and how you yeah. were upfront about it. Yep, definitely. Huh. So that was kind of an interesting yeah. way to tie that in. But what do you think about progress versus being productive in your business? Because there's a lot of times where from my overcommitting, I feel like something goes wrong or like the guy's don't get something on a job site or they forget to grab spikes or staple, you know, something small. Mm. They ask me if I can go get it. And then it throws a wrench in my, like I go get it and it throws a wrench in my day. Or you're like, you ever get caught in the trap of like going to job site to like check on it or whatever. And you didn't really like need to, but you feel good about like going <laughs> out there because it's better than having to actually get shit done, you know? Yeah. And so I don't know. I feel like there's a big difference between being productive all day and like doing little tasks and checking the boxes versus truly making progress like yeah. in your company and your business being progressive yeah yeah i think there's obviously a big difference and i think a big part of like what you said about the guys needing spikes or stakes for edging or whatever like part of that's just on you for not being able to say no yeah and that's <laughs> huge and yeah. if you're not able to say no then you're then you're being you're enabling you're, you're yeah you're just being productive which is good, but you're not being progressive. Um, and we could probably have a whole podcast on, you know, being productive or being progressive. Progressive. Um, but I think in that instance of you not being able to say no is yes, you're being productive, but you're not being progressive because it's taken away from your progressive time in the office or whatever you're doing in the sales meeting or whatever to, you know, refine that sales process or meet with that client or, send out an estimate or close that deal. Like you're not being progressive, you're being productive. And so a lot of times it is just the matter of just saying no. And, and that kind of comes back to overcommitting yourself. And when you overcommit a lot of times, it's because you can't say no. Yeah. And that's what I just thought of a good kind of analogy for that. Um, when you're talking, but being Productive versus progressive. The best way I could explain that is 
Like flow from the commercial? Aggressive? No, insurance? Not, 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 <laughs> like the, not like the insurance. Um, my dad is probably one of the most productive people I know. He ran a super successful landscape company for almost 30 years or whatever it was before we bought it. And he had one crew. He was kind of the foreman. He did the sales and he was super productive every day. But his business didn't make any progress. Like it was yeah. always at the same point every single year, you know, grew a little bit here and there with almost with like inflation, right? Like the, the company right. was just capped at what he could do. He never made any progress. Like the business never made progress. Um, he might've made progress in, you know, in himself or his family life or in other things, but the business never made progress. But every single day he was productive, which is more or less kind of like having a glorified job at that point. Yeah. He never took the time to make progress in the business to grow the company and hire the right people and whatever else. And partially because he just didn't want to. But for those of you that want to use that as an example, like you can't be the foreman on a crew forever. Like you got to, you know, know when you have the right person that can replace you as that being that foreman on the crew and then slowly start to release, you know, give them the reins and step back a little bit in that, um, which is difficult to do. But there's a huge difference between being productive all day and then being progressive and making progress in your business. Well, and, and to that point, you got to know what you're good at and you got to stick yeah. to it. And and if if you are starting out and you are kind of finding yourself doing a lot of different things, I would just say start hiring the things that are kind of lower on your kind of priority list, so to speak, of what needs to get done and find somebody that can do it better than you can. That would be, yeah, that's huge. And one of the things that I've started to like put into perspective for those that kind of, you're not so good at delegating or you don't, you know, you want to try to do like everything. Like it's me. Like I've just tried like try to take on everything myself because it feels productive and it feels good. And at the end of the day, you're like, yeah, I built that or I did yeah. that, but you didn't like do anything to help you tomorrow besides get the stuff done today that you had to get done to like get this particular project done. It's not progressing the business along. But one of the things I've done or am doing is I went from just being a salary yearly, like kind of a flat rate as a business owner to charging uh, $75 an hour for my time. And once you start to do that, you can, I've started it like I put in a per, um, perspective for me that why do I want to spend time stacking blocks if we can hire somebody that costs the company $35 an hour to do that and I'm costing the company $75 an hour look at what yeah. you cost the company yeah hourly it's more expensive for you to be on the job site oh 100 yeah. and then if I'm going to be on the job site at $75 an hour I need to go hire a salesman and pay them you know five ten percent commission to go sell it and now our cost to do this job is significantly higher than if I was if I was doing the sales instead of paying the 10% and hired someone else at a lower level. And then as you progress, your pay scale keeps going up and costs the company more. So you want to keep replacing yourself as you kind of climb the tier and your company grows. So it's just kind of like, I just we just started doing that this year and it's really made a mindset shift for me of what I should be doing and what I need to focus on finding someone else to do this position now. And I think... Early on in business, it's easy to overcommit yourself in your business with all the different roles that you need to, you know, fulfill. So it, you kind of have to. Yeah, I mean that. I mean that's that. Is, yeah, it's the reality. Part you of, need to yeah. do a lot of different shit. Yeah, it's just <laughs> and it, a lot of hats to wear. Yeah. So that I mean, but as time goes on, you need to realize what you're good at and how you can kind of get yourself to be exclusively in that role, so that other people can join and do it for less than what your rate is like Carson was talking about. Um, 
so that you can ultimately make more money and be more, I would say effective because you're not going to be effective in 12 different roles opposed to if you're just in one role doing, you know, small things regarding, regarding that role. But, um, I would just try to focus on committing to one role in your business. Yeah. And it's not, you can't do it right away. Like Gavin was saying, you've got to start with mastering, you know, for especially younger guys listening, if you're just getting into the industry, you really have to master the craft and learn everything from the ground up, right? No different than someone else joining the industry and going to work for somebody else. You have to kind of start on the shovel before you run the excavator, right? You got to learn everything that you're doing and then move into the next level because you got to train that next person coming in to do that. If you, you know, the foreman coming in to run the crew, you need to know enough to train them and for them to have confidence in what you're telling them. Otherwise, they're going to be able to sniff that out right away. Like this guy's got no clue what he's doing. And we've hired people that um, said they knew a lot more than what they did and had a lot more experience than what they actually did. And I had foreman coming to me like this guy is supposed to be an ops manager and no idea what he's doing. Like we know more about the job sites than he does. And he's telling us to do stuff that doesn't make sense. And you have to, so you need to know enough to inform them and have the foreman, you know, the people, I don't want to say like below you, but on an org chart, they're below you in the organizational structure of a company. Um, they need to be able to have faith in you and you need to have the confidence in what you're doing, which is really just built through repetition and experience of doing things over and over and over again. What do you do in those situations where, you, you know, your ops manager or whatever is in that Fire situation and yeah, they just go. Yeah. Right. You ha- I mean, you have to, and it's hard and it was hard for me. Like at first I tried to spend time like training them in and you just kind of realize at some point, like I mean, certain people you can try to like train into positions, but for stuff like that and what we hired them for, like there was a pretty clear expectation of what you're supposed to do. And I didn't fire them soon enough, quite frankly, partially because this is going to sound Too terrible. Trust. I didn't want to go back to doing that role necessarily. Cause I realized how much like, cause we were on a growth path at that point and all the different things we had going on. Like I realized like I probably couldn't, I probably wouldn't have been any better at that with the amount of, or something else would have severely suffered if I had to go back into that. So it was kind of like, you know, the bandaid on the flesh wound type mm-hmm. of situation where it's like, well, you know, I'll just work with them as best we can to like kind of power through the season. Um, were you overcommitted and that's why you didn't fire him? Yeah, that's a, <laughs> it was a great one. Loop right in. That's 100% it. For I was sure. overcommitted on multiple other things. That was the year that went out and like start got my contractor license and tried to start like the general contracting and construction like separate company and was not a good idea. Like just overcommitted too many different things, which I'm currently in the process of like exiting that company. Um, and then we were bringing on, I think that was the year that we bought. No. Yeah, that was the year we bought the pool company. So we were buying oh a boy. pool. Co- we started the construction company, bought the swimming pool company, um, was doing like two two or three real estate deals, subdivision like deals or whatever at that point in time. So like there was a lot of different and things trying going to do on. more landscaping and yeah, and we're, getting more into excavating. <laughs> yeah. And we were, you know, building a freaking subdivision, you know, which is new for us road, you know, road work, stuff like that, expanding into excavating and had record year landscaping as well. And so like, we're just pushing to grow all like five different things at the same time, just which red line. Yeah. It, it, yeah. Which, burnt me out and, you know, took a toll on me, took a toll on other people in the company. And just, you realize pretty and quickly personal that, relationships. Yeah. And personal relationships. Yeah. <laughs> we know that one took a huge toll. Uh, but it's just, um, yeah, 
you can't overcommit to things like that because it's going to, it might sound like a great idea in theory. And it, like what I had going was a great idea, right? And still kind of going, it's the vertically integration of like development through excavating, through, you know, building something, yeah. the landscape package to the, you retain and own the real estate and make a bunch of money on it. But you can't do all those you, things. You can't yeah. learn how to do all those things at once. You got to master one thing, get it up and running. Then you can move to the next, which takes a serious amount of time to do. Right. Yeah. You, Significantly more than I thought it was going to take. <laughs> yeah. More than a couple of weeks. <laughs> more than a couple of weeks. Yeah. Yeah. In theory, I mean, it looked good on paper. Like, yeah, I mean, it would be nice to, you know, kind of vertically, vertically integrate all those businesses and, you, you know, kind of the main squeeze so you can kind of have a monopoly. But then you did it in a way that was just not effective. And yeah. You just couldn't be focused and you just overcommitted. Yeah. Of overcommitting. Which is good. I mean, I guess it's good that you learned early on. And I feel like I learned that too early on, like trying to start our homes business and having our landscape business and doing some real estate stuff. It's like just overcommitted to a few different things and need to come back and focus on what really matters so that we can get really good in that area, have it kind of run on its own. And then that's when you start looking at other opportunities and commit to stuff that you can actually handle. And the reality of it is like you're going to make more money getting the one thing dialed in. Like looking back at all of that, if I would have just stayed focused on landscaping the whole time and like where the landscaping company would be at right now, I'd be making more money now just from doing that than trying to venture into all these other things and, you know, make a little bit of money in each one of these. And I think a big piece of that is like, I got and like you guys listening, don't get caught into this of like, you listen to social media and people like, I don't hear it as much anymore, but I heard it a lot a few years ago. People like, oh yeah, you know, the average millionaire has seven different income streams and you're just like, well, yeah, they've been doing this for the last 30, 40 years and that's why they have seven different income streams. So you hear stuff like that and what you don't realize is most people master one thing and that's what makes them their bulk of their money and then they diversify once they have a significant amount of money like flowing through this one company and they diversify into other different avenues or businesses or real estate ventures or whatever as time goes. It's not an overnight thing. No, and like I think that if you would have, or both of us, if we would have stuck to that one thing, um, you know, and be really focused on that and committed to that, that would kind of create the structure and systems and just experiences that you need to learn through business so that you could later on input what you've learned, those systems, that structure into other businesses. Whereas, you know, we try to start these other things and we just run around with a chicken, like a chicken with our head cut off and just scrambling. That's what, yeah, that is a great point. Like everything would have built throughout that and the, you know, learning how to, because I think we're both in the same boat of where we don't know how to hire a, um, or I mean, I don't want to say don't know, but we don't have much experience hiring managers, hiring, you know, VPs or like CFOs of like companies. Right. But we're, I was trying to like set up multiple companies that would have needed all these positions in order for them to act (laughs) like, you can't be the CEO of like seven different companies. It's not going to work. I can tell you from experience, not right away. Um, but so if you could just master doing, you know, climb that chain of building out one company, then you have that experience of doing it. You know what to look for going into the next one. It's like when we do a landscape project, I'm so confident in like how to do a landscape project. I don't lose sleep over it anymore. But when yeah. I first started and, you know, bought the company for my parents, I was a foreman. And then we, the first year we had two separate landscape crews going, it was a challenge. Cause it was like, I've never done two crews, but now it's just like, Oh, it's just what we do. Like yeah. it, it just becomes what you do. It becomes a habit. And if you don't have that habit of like how to, in the experience of how to do something, why try to go and duplicate something you don't know how to do somewhere else and try to learn 
with two different companies instead of just learning with one. So that's uh, some very valuable information that I learned the hard way over the last three years. Um, So don't overcommit. Don't overcommit. Stay focused. Yeah. Learn how to say no and be really disciplined and diligent with your schedule and allotting time for people. And it can be really disrespectful to some people if you're late or don't show up on time or just have a track record of not being, uh, you know, present when it, when it comes time to be there. Not it can be. It is disrespectful. Yeah, it is. It is. It is disrespectful. I mean, people don't like that feeling. And I think uh, you should realize that <laughs> you're hurting people if, you, if you're doing that. Do you think it's like an ego thing? Like, because I'll, I'll run late to places and I'll be like mad at myself for doing it. But when I have people like running late for me, I'm like, really? Like, you don't fucking value that wrong? Like, <laughs> you know how much I'm worth? Like, yeah. like, you know what I charge an hour? Like, so, I mean, put yourself in their shoes. Or you know how it feels when someone runs late and it's, yeah, get better at it. Treat others how you'd like to be treated. Yeah. Amen. Leave you with that. Leave you with that. <laughs> Guys, thanks for listening to the show. We appreciate it. This is uh, some valuable information that I would say we've learned the hard way. I certainly have learned the hard way. Um, So if you could, and if you found value from the show, please share the show with a friend, a family member, post it up on social media. Hopefully this can help someone else that uh, is thinking in the same mindset that we have over the last few years and could save them a lot of headache and a lot of time and you know, just stay focused on mastering one craft at a time and get really good at it. Yeah, so. and be urgently patient, I think is kind of a, a good couple words to put together there. Work diligently every single day as hard as you can towards that goal and just understand it's going to take time. Yeah, and uh, next week we might have a guest, huh? First guest? Yeah, we tried to have a guest today, but good old... Someone backed old out. Max we'll leave backed it, out. Uh, yeah, yeah. So... <laughs> Was uh, a little disappointed, but next week we got a guest coming on. Uh, he runs a seven-figure pool company. Excited to learn who it is. It's gonna be fun. Find out more, folks. Find out more. So stay tuned. Share the show. We appreciate you guys listening. Have an awesome week and go get something done and make some progress. Progress. <laughs> Peace.